Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Sweet. We're doing it great. We're number doing one. It great. The Mad Scientist Podcast. Podcast. With Chris and Marie. Chris and Marie. Getting sciencey. <laughs> there should be what? so many things that rhyme with Marie, but I can only think of sciencey now. Hello, sciencey. dear listeners of the Mad Scientist Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Cogswell, here with my wonderful co host, Marie Mayhew. Marie. What's going on, my people? What's what? How you doing? I'm doing good, man. How are you doing? What's doing going on? Doing great. We were off this last week because I had a party for my wife and I's wedding. We uh, we got married a year ago, and then actually we're planning a wedding party for about a year in New York, where our families live. <laughs> so we had our wedding party this weekend in Staten Island, where we're from, in New York City. It was a lot of fun. It was a great time. Thank you to everyone who came out and uh, and celebrated with us. And we have just got we just got a lot of stuff going on here now around around the office here, Marie. What I love really quickly, if I may say, is you just eased into that party. You just wanted to make sure this whole marriage thing, you know, sticking. We got a year under our belts. I guess we can have a party. <laughs> if it lasts through a party planning, then you if know it's going to last. Through the party planning, and your poor, if I may say, poor mom probably was like. We have to have the party! Oh my god, my mom is flipping out! Well, as well she should, man. Guy getting married. Jeez Louise, taking a year. Telling you. I'm just teasing. Terrible Um, son. Yeah, no. Busy week. (laughs) Busy week. Um, Launched the, uh, the first episode of Whatever Remains. Sure Um, did, and it's great! Thank you. Thank you. No problem. I'm pretty pretty proud of it hoping it's uh hoping hoping we can sustain it i got one under my belt so far and i gotta tell you man like it's wow it's a lot of work it is a lot of work right it's a, <laughs> it is a lot, it's of work, a lot of work and you start to you're like my voice is so like dear god am i chewing on glass like what the hell's going on <laughs> what why do i sound like am i chewing cud like what the hell's in the background and you're just like i can't hear i cannot say and then words start to sound funny and then you're just down the rabbit hole 100 but um hopefully we'll get a few more out <laughs> and finish up the series but it's a lot of fun i'm actually i feel like i'm actually learning a lot about a period of time that i already thought i had relatively good knowledge of which is um like the kennedy administration and the cuban missile crisis and sort of all of this weird history that builds up to what happened in 2016 in Havana, Cuba, when uh, a bunch of American diplomats that were just going back to work in Havana became really sick because of some weird, some weird circumstance. So, yeah, Mm. I've been, you know, finding out some really, really crazy facts that are actually true to life that are that are that are beyond like beyond fiction. So it's nice. Good stuff. Nice. Well, listeners, today's episode, we are going to be talking about marijuana myths. Woo! 
Now, as we all know, marijuana is the devil's lettuce. The um, devil's <laughs> cabbage, baby. The devil's cabbage. Satan loves marijuana. Mm, um, mm, mm. Ba- so basically, marijuana is really interesting because it is one of those. It's one of those topics where it really has a lot of meat on kind of both sides of, I would say, the ideological spectrum. Right. Mm-hmm. You can be very, very against marijuana and have a whole set of facts with you and a whole set of um Facts that are real, some facts that are real, but then mm-hmm. build on top of those a tremendous amount of fear mongering and scare tactics and ridiculousness. And then mm-hmm. you can have the other side where, you know, you're very pro marijuana and you might have some facts with you, too. But then also like, you know, fear mongering and scare tactics. And, you know, it's, it's just <laughs> kind of like like on the one side, it's fear mongering with like, you know, um, I don't know, a cowboy hat on. And then on the other side, it's fear mongering with like a, a crystal necklace on. You know, it's really interesting in my Mm -hmm. mind. Marijuana kind of shows us that weirdness of, you know, mythology really doesn't have a uh, preferred political party, let's say. No, no, it works. Bias works equally well for both sides. Totally does. Very quickly, like within like eight hours ago from where you just came from. uh, Mayor Bill de Blasio. De Blasio. Blasio. Mayor Bill de Blasio. (laughs) has ordered the New York Police Department to stop arresting people for smoking weed in that they are preparing for legalization, statewide legalization of marijuana. Which I'm like, that's that's pretty amazing. I mean, just to read like, you know, that he's actually. That they're actually putting that out there is, you know, what we will no longer be. We will no longer be taking this action in, in the largest city or one of the largest cities in the country is a pretty, is a pretty big step. Yeah, hundred percent. It's a really interesting one because it is, um, it is one of the more interesting ones because it really, it's, it's a tale of, it's kind of a tale of a decriminalization of a, of a drug that has taken so much longer past other prohibitions. Right. I mean, especially for a drug that in many we're going to get into all this. Let's get into all this after the break. Let's get it. Hit it. Welcome to the Mad Scientist Podcast. This week's episode. Woo. Marijuana. So Marie. Mary Jane. Marijuana. So this this is I like this. I like this a lot. This is from um this is from teens.drugabuse.gov slash drug facts slash marijuana. What is mar- gov on this one? What, what is what is what is marijuana? Also is known marijuana? as also known as boom, bud, chronic, gangster, ganja, <laughs> grass, herb, kiff, Mary Jane, MJ, pot, reefer, skunk, and weed. Um, smoke a little weed, smoke a little weed, have a little blunt, have a little blunt. <laughs> so good. All right. So, um, so actually, so marijuana is really interesting again, because it really started as, so marijuana has kind of been around since, I mean, since, since people have been around, right? I mean, it's yes. a, um, it's a drug that, uh, 
really? So cannabis plants are native to Central Asia. They've been cultivated since 4,650 BC. Oh my God. Right? Yeah. Now, the actual rope, like the stalk of the plant itself has been used for rope, clothes, canvas, and it's what is known as hemp. Mm-hmm. Right? Now, the oil from the seeds is used for different things too. So soap, lotions, paints, varnishes, and lamp fuel. And actually, when it, it was first brought over to America, or rather, uh, was brought over to the Americas with the Jamestown settlers, which yeah. is super interesting. They grew hemp. They grew marijuana and hemp, um, basically, uh, for this purpose, Was because it was a very good cash crop, generally, right? hmm Now, the first... So marijuana has been around since that time. Now it's used, it's used, it's used recreationally, let's say, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, has been, has again been for as long as it's been around, right? So um, approximately 4,000 years ago, um, there's information on Chinese physicians using cannabis to treat gout. Um, it was used uh, throughout Europe to treat rheumatism, tetanus, cholera, depression. Um, it was used for all kinds of different, uh, different things, right? Um, yeah. And really was uh, also in some ways uh, there's potential for it to have been known as the Indian drug Soma, which is mentioned in the Vedas. Um, Hmm. Although that's kind of not super well known necessarily, but um, really the first way to use it was in religious ceremonies. Right. And basically they would, uh, they would smoke it. Right. Which I mean, kind of is how people use it today in many cases. Mm -hmm. Right. And uh, again, it was kind of shamans and religious people who would use them to induce trance-like states, right? Now, so its use as a ritual drug is is quite long-lived, and really that's the way that most drugs were used throughout history, right? Was uh, they were used for their psychoactive purposes that could allow people to, you know, uh, go into rhythmic trances or to feel, um, what's the word? Uh, you know, euphoric. feel feel euphoric, feel different than they would in their normal daily lives, right? Yes. Now, uh, so basically, it was used. Uh, so it's been used since you know 4000 BC, right? For different reasons, used ritualistically, used in uh, in in religious rituals and things like that. Mm-hmm. And it's been found ac- across the world, right? So um, we found pipes in Ethiopia that were carbon dated to about 1320 AD. Um, it's been found in uh, different areas of uh, the Sufi Muslim world. Um, it was used throughout uh, the Greek worlds, uh, throughout uh, China, Central Asia, South Asia, you know, uh, the Middle East, North Africa, France, all over the place. Right. And now, yeah, everywhere. Yeah. Now, pretty much. Really, though, it's reintroduction to the West was mm-hmm. from uh, basically from the French physician Jacques Joseph Moreau, who wrote on the psychological effects of uh, cannabis, basically, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, again, then that kind of was kind of pushed forward some more when uh, 1842, the Irish physician William Brooke O'Shaughnessy um, basically brought it back over from Bengal with the East India Company. <laughs> so, um, and then there's all kinds of really interesting, like there's a lot of really interesting books and stuff on. Uh, marijuana use or literature that uses marijuana use as parts of its um, what's the word parts of its uh, parts of its story basically it's, right so yeah. there's a uh, there's a book uh, so everyone knows of the one Confessions of an English Opium Eater 
right? Which is uh, Thomas De Quincey's Everybody account of his one. of yeah, him man. totally loving laudanum, right? So he smoked opium and just got super fun and weird. Um, totally <laughs> so, loving laudanum. So um, this. <laughs> This guy fits Hang Hugh. Hang in there, everybody. It's the drug episode with Chris and Marie. Having a great time. This guy, Fitzhugh Ludlow, wrote a book, an autobiography of his life called The Hashish Eater in 1857. Um, basically talking about uh, his use his use of hashish, which is a cannabis extract, um, basically right. to get super duper high and talk about philosophy and other things. I like, I like the subtitle here, too. It's called Life of a Pythagorean. Because <laughs> that has everything to do with just getting totally baked on hashish and yeah, just and then, hanging out and, and then the, uh, looking at your hand for seven so hours. <laughs> right. They call them fingers, but I've never <laughs> seen them fing, Marie. Now, this is actually, it actually is a really cool quote from Kubla Khan on the cover of the fourth edition here. Um, it mm. says, quote, Weave a circle round him thrice, and close your eyes with holy dread, for he on honeydew hath fed and drunk the milk of paradise. Um, and it says, uh, hash the hashish eater being passages from the life of a Pythagorean, which I guess is what he called himself when he was high on hashish. Now, um, is there any truth to the rumor that, uh, hashish is the base of, uh, the base root of the word of assassin? Or is that myth? I think that's myth. That's, uh, it is a different, I believe it's a different part it's a, it is similar the word is similar but i think it's actually like the um it's like asai it's like it's the name of like an indian tribe i think of of like you know um i forget where they were actually originally from um it's not no it's not it's okay. it's not from hashish because there's that whole you know really really uh creative myth about that and i was like that can't be true that can't be right yeah there's um no so it's actually originally from um, it's a it's an Islamic sect, right? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. That's where the word comes from, right? Mm -hmm. And it basically means people who are faithful to the foundation of the faith. I mean, it's Asasiyan or Asasiyun. I can't really. I've, I'm definitely getting that wrong. Um, and so uh, supposedly the the idea is that they uh, misinterpreted that, or people misinterpreted that. Ever, uh, in other words. So and basically, that, yeah, maybe. So that word, that word, assassin came from. Um, it came from this uh, an order of basically assassins um, who basically they came over. They came over and they were like, okay, we're well, we're now you're like rulers. We're the Mongols, and then these this like Islamic sect was like, nah, we're assassins now. And <laughs> so they like, got them. No, we're assassins now. Yeah, it's super mm -hmm. interesting. Mm -hmm. um, anyways, okay, so um, Fitzhugh Ludlow in 1857, and then also another book, uh, Les Paradis Artificiels by Charles Baudelaire. Um, again, basically talking about, you know, his time doing different drugs and stuff. But really, the in the United States, it's known for... Um, so, okay. So it began to be criminalized in the 19th century, right? So Britain banned it in 1840, mm -hmm. um, basically because they believed that it was making their indentured workers in India too bad at working under slavery, I guess. Right? It's pretty, pretty screwed. Uh, oh, the man, same that's, that's some good colonialism right there. 
I'm telling we you. Not, we should not let him smoke any more, um, William. So, <laughs> lay about as they are. Actually, what's really funny is Canada, Canada supposedly criminalized it before any reports of its use in Canada. Oh, the <laughs> Canada, Canada was like, get Canada it out of like, here. We nope. don't want any of that. Nope, um, nope, nope. And really, oh, what, nope. what kind of happened was it was kind of put together with opium. Right. It was, again, uh, yeah. very misunderstood. Uh, it basically stated that, you know, it's so it was this it's this is from the uh, the Hague uh, Convention. The International Opium Convention was signed at the Hague January 23rd, 1912. And basically what it was, was it was a drug control treaty. So um, and it was actually it was registered in the League of Nations um, and it was part of a uh, part of a conference with the United States um, basically to put uh, what's the word? Put restrictions on the sale of opium through China, hmm. right? And mm-hmm. so it was signed by Germany, United States, China, France, the UK, Italy, Japan, the Netherlands, Persia, Portugal, Russia, and Siam. And so um, basically what it did, uh, th- there's a specific section here on marijuana on hash, specifically on hashish, that said, quote, the use of Indian hemp and the preparations derived therefrom may only be authorized for medical and scientific purposes. The raw resin, charas, however, which is extracted from the female tops of the cannabis sativa L, together with the various preparations, hashish, hashish chira, esrar, diamba, etc., of which it forms the basis, not being at present utilized for medical purposes and only being susceptible of utilization for harmful purposes in the same manner as other narcotics may not be produced, sold, traded in, etc. under any circumstances whatsoever. Buzz killer. Yeah. Now, it was then uh, actually uh, taken over. That, that rule was in place until 1961, when it was taken over by the single uh, yeah. convention on narcotic drugs of 1961, which uh, basically lists the various types of narcotic drugs that cannot be sold or, or is not or not to be traded across the world. Yes. Right? Now, this is where I picked up research on this as well. was starting more in the 1960s. Sure. And sort of the um, what happened at that point and um, Michael Pollan wrote a really great part on marijuana in his book, The Botany of Desire. Mm-hmm. So he took four different plants and basically explained how they almost have this weird symbiotic relationship with people in that they help modify people's behavior to ensure their own survival. So the apple is one, the potato is another, and the tulip is the third and then cannabis is is the fourth one. And he basically picks it up in the 1960s saying, well, yes, you know, border agents stepped up with with all these efforts and uh, crop dusters basically took out a huge amount of external of a, of external growth fields to, you know, up the war on drugs starting in the 60s. But what was interesting about that was then all of a sudden the move indoors. So people, because of their, you know, the intoxicating effects and their, not dependence, but their want to have this plant actually adapted how it's grown, which was sort of a big deal because there wasn't really, in the 1960s, a lot of 
you know, uh, a lot of science and methodology for growing things inside before marijuana. Sure. Which I thought was pretty interesting. I mean, that's a huge step to take something out of natural light and then be able to understand how do we how do we train our crops to grow internally? You know, how do we crossbreed it with other varieties to make sure that it, it can become more um, disease resistant? All these things that are really sort of um, thoughtful uh, activities that you would put towards something that's more of like corn or edible foods where it was, was instead concentrated in on marijuana. I mean, it's one of those things where, I don't know. It's like, you know, people, people like feeling good, right? Like people, I mean, even look at, even look at food, right? Like even look at, you you mentioned uh, vegetables and other Mm -hmm. kind of like crops and stuff, right? Like Mm -hmm. we, so think about how much time and effort and money and knowledge has uh, just time, human time has been spent perfecting recipes to make food more enjoyable, right? Like that has no, ultimately, ultimately we could all be drinking Soylent and we'd be fine. Right. (laughs) But evidently everyone, but the guy that invented Soylent thinks it's a terrible idea. It takes the the joy out of life. (laughs) Well, you know, Um, um, but yeah, seriously, though, yeah. I mean, you know, so I, I, it's really interesting, I think, that a lot of times these things that are, uh, I mean, there's another, there's a whole other factor to this, which is that it was the use of, it was the use of these, uh, the vices of the poor, the vices of the lower classes, the vices of those not in power are always made to seem vulgar and oftentimes outlawed by those in power. Mm-hmm. Right. Because it's a way of it's a way of further controlling a population. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. mar- you know, uh, marijuana grows. It's it, it grows like a weed. Right. It, it grows. It, it, it is. It does. was natural to some of these areas and it was very readily available. And so by outlawing it or making it difficult to obtain or et cetera, all these different things that we Make put it, onto it. Killing we can it outside. Cr- I mean, right, well, killing, yeah, killing, killing the, killing it, you know, like to me, that's besides the idea of you being, you know, it being intoxicating to you and you wanting to feel good. That's like the evolution of the plant. That's the pl- plant's survival instinct is I have to reward. There has oh, to be the okay. reward for sure, these sure, people sure. for me to still, for be me outside. to still, yeah. I mean, it's like, well, they're, so they're growing, well, it's, it grows like a weed outside, but all of a sudden it's like, it's getting, you know, there's a crackdown in the 1960s, massive, you know, crop spraying. They have to, but people like the plant has motivated people to help it, to help it evolve and to help it survive and not become extinct. Because in some ways, if it wasn't so, if it didn't have some sort of appeal, it would have, it would have gone it would have died out. See, but that's but that's kind of a that's kind of like a chicken or the egg question, right? It's not really a chicken or the egg question. It's just that it's just that it, it was useful for us. That's why it survived. Not that it, you know, it didn't develop that it, it did not have in mind, I guess, people, or it did not have in mind the enjoyment of other things when it developed that tool. It just happened to evolve that way, right? But I don't know. Yeah, I mean, have you have the, the I will say that was the interesting that's sort of the interesting part of of uh, uh, Pollen's book on the botany of desire and sort of how this, how these four 
different, very different plants have interacted with, uh, with people at different times. And to your point, like the potato, you know, during the, the, the potato famine, apples, which um, when fermented become alcohol, the mm-hmm. tulip, which is tulip fever in, the, um, in Amsterdam, you know, and became sort of the status symbol. And then marijuana, like all these things, I think in some way do have some sort of, uh, they're not, maybe not conscious, like we're talking about, do plants have feelings, but have some sort of agency to, to survive and have adapted to be able to be grown in, indoors. Hmm. Interesting. I, I, I hear you there. I hear you there. So Yeah. It is so, interesting. Okay, so we have this. We if have you were this, high, it would be fascinating. So interesting. You would be like, oh my god. So let's Plants so let's get feelings, you guys. I knew it. Let's get into let's get into some of the, I guess, propaganda, right? Oh, I love this. I love so, it. um, so Reefer probably the, the most, yeah, the most famous one known is Reefer Madness, which was a, a book. It was or not a book. It was a movie. It was actually originally called Tell Your Children. And then at other times it's been called um, things like The Dope Addict, Doped Youth, Love Madness, The Burning Question, uh, you know, things like that, whatever. Right. So basically what it is, is it's um, it's these these kids get out of high school. They decide to have marijuana together. Um, mm-hmm. They get into a hit and run. They kill some dude. They like. They, and they then he start, comes back and he haunts them with the hook. No. They start hallucinating. They they, they just completely become. Um, they, they end up like you know babbling and clearly trying to be shown as being insane and stuff and whatever. And um, the basic idea is, it uh, basically it was originally uh, put out like I said in 1936, and the idea was that it was um, basically the idea was that it was put out by um, by. Uh, a group that was trying to make it clear that um, marijuana could be dangerous to your kids. Right. And so um, it was shown um, in theaters and things. And it's kind of, it's kind of interesting because it, it's sort of, um, so originally it was made by a church group. Right. And so it's supposed mm-hmm. to be this kind of tale of like, you know, kids gone bad. And then um, what's the word kid kids gone bad. And then, uh, you know, go, gone, gone crazy and things. Right. But actually it was, um, it was the original cut of the film was actually purchased by an exploitation, uh, filmmaker. Right. So those kind of movies of like, you know, that's like, you look back in like the forties and the fifties and the thirties and where, yeah, like pulp movies. Right. And so, um, the cult classic. and so he basically added in all these like other crazy things, right? Like the, the, you know, uh, the murder and the, 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 orgies and whatever it was not actually an orgy or anything but um so it was uh it was originally shown at kind of road shows right um so it originally originally it was released in kind of select markets so it was released like in the south um in uh, colorado in new england and in pennsylvania then it was then uh, purchased and shown at roadshow screenings and the idea is that it's it's supposed to be shown um Two kids originally was supposed to be shown to kids to say to them, this is what will happen if you have marijuana. And actually, the movie ends with um, the movie ends with uh, a guy pointing at the screen and saying the next tragedy may be that of your daughter or your son or yours or yours. 
And then it points right at you and it says, or yours. And then the, the words, tell your children kind of like scroll and appear on the screen. It's, it is hilarious. It's like, so it's so bad watching it today. Right. It's, it's only, um, it's what's crazy is the budget for this. I saw this today when I was researching the budget for reefer madness was a hundred thousand dollars. That's kind of a good chunk of change. It's crazy. That's, that doesn't make any sense. So the movie kind of the movie kind of shows a aside to the marijuana question or aside to, I guess, this usage of marijuana that has really been propagated around, uh, you know, to promote its uh, its its prohibition. Right. That marijuana can cause you to go mad. Yes. That marijuana will cause you to act more violently or more criminally. That it will, um, yes. it will cause you to lose all inhibitions, and so your kids will lose control. One, one big, do not one big thing that's present throughout all of the propaganda, um, and all these kind of, uh, if you look back at marijuana posters of the time period, a very common theme is, uh, is is this this drug, this thing, is going to cause your daughters to go out and have sex. Yes. Right. Like that's, that's the biggest, that is like the foundation to all of this stuff that, you know, you know, it's never really directed like your sons are going to become outlaws or whatever. It's always like, this is a, this is a pretty girl on this poster, you know, mm -hmm. holding on to a hunky mm -hmm. demon with big muscles who, you know, clearly <laughs> is about to just, you know, lay some pipe, clearly right? Like has, <laughs> yeah. things are about to happen. Clearly has intent. Yeah. Clearly has not Oh, yeah, and you cannot have that. You cannot have your female population out there, you know, getting it on and smoking marijuana. No. Just ask my it's dad. It's so bad. It's so bad, Marie. Um, so it's so bad, here's the thing. People. What we have found, though, at least in the United States, is that um, really the United States is like one of the we're not really the last country to figure this out, but we're, we're one of the bigger ones for this bad kind of use of it, I suppose. Oh, yeah. Um, marijuana in the United States has always had this view of it as being this terrible thing. It has no good uses. It's, it's like heroin. It's like uh, I mean, even heroin has uses as a uh, as a, a pain medicine. Right. But, you know, mm -hmm. that this yeah. this drug has absolutely no use. And so it is only dangerous. It'll only turn your kids into sex crazed freaks. And, you know, it's, it's always going to be bad for you. But actually today, that, and that was, I would say, the dominant viewpoint 20 years ago, right? When I was a kid, when I, when I was eight years old, um, you know, it was, we, we would have people come in. We had this group called Dare, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. Which was. I remember that. Yeah. They were yeah. Awesome. Drug. Did they do? Did they do like a funky fresh? They rap sure for did. You? Drug abuse resistance education. Oh, yeah. Marie, we were in the big city. Of course they rapped for us. Of course um, they. Of course did. they did. We actually. I remember oh. we had a day. We had a day at my school where, again, grew up in like the most. Um, I basically grew up in a. I might as well have grown up in a scene from, um, my big fat Greek wedding. <laughs> right like the biggest like these big these big italian or greek or wacky families whatever um all you know well, forget about mm -hmm. it ah, right like nothing even remotely dangerous ever actually happened in my neighborhood um 
we had a day though at school where we were all supposed to wear red to show that we weren't afraid of the bloods like the gang the bloods and it was like a bunch of like 10 year olds wearing red and dare was like yeah we're gonna get drugs out of this neighborhood and it's like we're not going to anyways question just if we could pause here for a moment just so i can wrap my head around this uh your school staten island correct did 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 it was it plagued by gang violence not our area if anything, no. if anything, so, all wearing, or, if anything, or, wearing all red seems to show support for the Bloods. I'm surprised we was, didn't get killed the by bloods, the Crips. Were the Bloods a thing? They were a thing. Like, that's what I don't understand. I mean, they if, still are a the, thing. The bloods and the Crips. Okay. All right. So that's good. We have gotten that established. I just Marie, don't you're really going to get us hit. A bunch of. We can't, we can't, we can't oh, be yes, making these exactly big, we can't it. be making these big gang, gang claims, claims Marie. <laughs> a gang war. Um. <laughs> But like a bunch of like little white, uh, yep. little white yep. kids wearing wearing red is so cute, and you're all like, yeah, "I'm sure, don't do it, just say no." I'm sure we looked like. I'm sure the drug dealers were like, "Those are the kids to go for, those those ones right there." And actually, today it's they interesting. Also, they were probably like, "It seems what like none of that." It seems like this? none of that stuff worked because Staten Island today is like one of the heroin capitals of the world. So like, yeah. Look, look swinging and miss there, Dare. The swinging and miss there, PS42. Yeah. Anyways, um, so okay, so uh, so I guess wearing red didn't, didn't work. work. I even remember because so actually, so here's here's I guess a little bit of personal story for me, I suppose. Um, when my dad, my dad got very very sick. Uh, my dad was in chemotherapy for a very long time, and um, you know, uh, when I was in high school, it was like. Well, one of the things that seems to work to make him not feel so crappy is marijuana, right? Um, mm-hmm. And it's known to be good for that kind of thing. And so to my mind, it was always, I mean, like, of course, like, like any kid, whatever, right? But, um, mm-hmm. you know, to me, though, it was always like a, it was a medicine, right? It, or it could be used as a medicine, I suppose, right? It wasn't really until, I guess, um, I don't know, like it, it it has both uses as a medicine and then also as a recreational thing that doesn't really do anything, any harm to anyone. Right. Um, it's just I mean, it, it can be abused just like alcohol. Right. It can be misused yes. just like yeah. alcohol. Um, but ultimately, it is not any more dangerous than in fact, it's less dangerous in my mind than alcohol is. I'm Eliza. And I need you to listen to me. Have you ever felt so much that you don't know where to put it all? And you wonder if anyone would notice if you screamed? Because you want to. Scream for the ones they've hurt. The ones they've taken. Scream for yourself. These are my words. My story from my perspective. Because I know you'll hear other versions. Because I want you to have a chance to believe mine. Or at least hear it. If you're getting this, it's already over. But if one of you listens, really listens, it won't be for nothing. Much less so. Uh, Interesting side note on my... For me as well, my dad, like when I was growing up in Colorado, had like... 
zero tolerance for this type of stuff, man. He was, you know, he was, we're not, you know, he's a drug marijuana. And it's like, he, he, first of all, he had no idea what a bong looked like. I don't even think he's ever smoked. He had, at that point, had never smoked marijuana. Mm. Didn't know what a bong looked like. Didn't know what a pipe looked like. Didn't know what it smelled like. But man alive, I would have caught, holy hell, you know, came home. So it was like, it was very much vigilance in our house about that. But now I come home. My parents are, you know, my parents are, are growing a little older and they have aches and pains. And Boulder has, Boulder, Colorado has legalized it at this point. And so all of a sudden, you know, I got this hippie long hair, my father telling me how cool marijuana is. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, it's like, Maria, I don't know if you know this about this. This stuff isn't all that bad. Like, I feel kind of happy when I take it. <gasps> and I'm like, shut up, old man. He's like, no, no, really. No, really. This is, I, I, I think this is okay. And I'm like, no, you don't. No, you don't. Throw out all this. Do you see all this? And like, all of a sudden, there's all this edibles in my house. I'm like, look, no, not in this house. No, sir. No, I don't think so. This is a gateway drug. No, you know, I, mean, I feel pretty good. Like, I'm, you know, I have some, and I'll just sit back, and I'm like, I laugh a lot. I giggle. I don't see what the big deal is. I'm like, really? Really? You don't see what the big deal is now, huh? Grounded for three weeks because, you know, you thought, uh... You thought, like, the brownie I got down at the bakery down at the bottom of the hill was a hash brownie. Oh, my goodness, Marie. You were a bad kid, Marie. Oh, that's the sad thing. It's just, like, I really was not. <laughs> I didn't even get to I have any of the bad, bad fun. I didn't even, I didn't have, I didn't even have, like, at that point, have the uh, the audacity to rebel or do anything like that. It wasn't, you know, that that barely is hitting me now. But, man, like. It just cracks me up because my dad's like, well, I don't understand what all the fuss is about. And I'm like, oh, you don't, do you, old timer? Let me explain it to you. Hilarious. Anyways, got that off my chest. Cheaper than therapy. Thank you for That's listening. Good stuff. Um, okay, so here's, <laughs> so here's kind of the interesting thing, I think, with, um, or one of the interesting things with, with marijuana's use in uh, the United States today is... So for a very, very long time, marijuana has been one of the major reasons people get incarcerated in, in the United States. Right. Um, that's kind of uh, that's kind of where it's been most useful, I think, for law enforcement to have it be illegal is that it's, it's a really good way to get someone who might be involved in criminal activity or you suspect is involved in criminal activity. Um, it's a really good way to stop their car. Because you know, I smell marijuana. Mm -hmm. It's a really good way to get someone on a smaller charge or a on a nonviolent charge that can still hold extremely long sentences, depending on how much and how often they're caught with it or how many times they've been caught with it. And um, in many ways, that leads to people making the claim that you know, in in some ways, the drug war is very similar to uh, kind of you know, it's it's wasted resources and it's in some ways yeah. akin to modern day slavery, right? Because we are incarcerating people and then making them work, which like is the definition of slavery. But anyways, um, anyways, yes. That's why I thought it was so interesting that, uh, de Blasio has said no more. If we're not going to make these arrests anymore in New York city, which I would assume is a city, but that is relatively, of course. I mean, a lot of st uh is the, is the low, low lying arrests for, for, for lesser charges like that, that can be, you know, added up easily to, to incarcerate. Well, a lot of states, a lot of states too, though, have, or a lot of cities have said, you know, we're all, we're also going to throw away all those convictions. 
or some cities are starting to say that, right? But I think Seattle is one that mm-hmm. is thinking about doing that. Right? That's really, in my mind, you can't give someone back the years that they wasted in prison, right? And at this point, if you've been in prison for 10 years because you had, you know, whatever, right? Dope yeah. Charges, yeah. Um, you yeah, know, that charges, is probably yeah. going to end up with you being, um, it's, it's not like you were, it's not like you were training to do a job skill in prison, right? Like no matter how good we like to think that prisons are reforming people, I don't know. I don't know anyone in the United States who thinks they're actually reforming people effectively. Um, you know, it's just not a great way to get back into society, right? Not a great way to spend your, uh, your, your twenties and thirties. Um, Mm-hmm. Anyways, so this episode, though, what I guess the challenge for law enforcement, the challenge for parents and the challenge for people who want to use who want to use, you know, marijuana, want to smoke weed, who want to whatever, you know, you go to a party, whatever is. Yeah, like my dad, there is, there is a tremendous amount of misinformation on the Internet. Right. So oh um, and God, a lot yes. of it centers around the use of uh, of of CBD oil. A lot of it centers around the use mm-hmm. of THC, um, the use of other components within the marijuana plant for uh, for for smoking. Right. For uh, yes. for ingesting in some way for different treatments. So if you just Google like health benefits of CBD oil, you will get a tremendous amount of crap. <laughs> like and a link to Black South. Oh, of course you will. <laughs> um, you know, oh it basically God. says, you know, okay, well, it uh, a lot of the claims about. So this is one fights multi drug resistant bacteria. Mm. Almost, you know, can slow the progression of tuberculosis. Um, destroys bacteria. Uh, <laughs> Of tubercul- it slows down This is other remedies to consider. Don't want to try cannabidol? Uh, there is also research on using garlic, honey, and oregano oil for drug-resistant strains. But work with a, partic- mm. but work with a practitioner experienced in infectious diseases. If you have a, if you have a, uh, a, a drug-resistant bacteria, I don't think you're going to be on wellnessmama.com. I think you're going to be in the hospital. <laughs> well, and if you are, get off it. Yeah! Uh, here's one reduces oxidative stresses, helps for schizophrenia, uh, promotes a healthy weight, improves heart health, improves skin conditions, fights cancer. Nope. Oh, there's nope. another one. There's another one of those cancer ones, man. Nope. Now, here's the thing. It is useful. Let's let's take the cancer claim, for example. Right. Mm-hmm. It is known that uh, or at least it has been shown. And a lot of this is anecdotal as well. Right. Frankly, a lot of this is anecdotal because the research into the use of marijuana and other components of marijuana. So, by the way, CBD is um, CBD is uh, CBD and THC are both components of the marijuana plant. Right. So. um, Mm -hmm. So uh, CBD is basically like the non psychoactive component and THC is the one that um, that does kind of make you feel high. Right. So. it's so CBD oil is, I guess, a good alternative for people potentially who want to use some of these things, but don't necessarily want to get that high feeling. But really, a lot of the components, a lot of the benefits of uh, of marijuana come from its THC, right? which is tetrahydrocannabinol uh-huh. or cannabinol. Sorry. Um, 
because what it does basically is it allows you to um what's the word basically what it lets you do is it it it, it kind of calms you down in many ways right and it is it is a it is a mm-hmm. drug it is a chemical component that will uh do different things for you right so for instance uh THC has been shown to be helpful in multiple sclerosis in neurodegenerative disorders in Tourette syndrome in cervical dystonia um in epilepsy but um all of those in all of those cases though it has been put forward as a potential good use but has not necessarily been shown to be effective in the science uh in the studies that have been done right now uh mm-hmm. for multiple sclerosis it has been found to be useful in the treatment of spasticity right um specifically oral cannabis extracts have been found to be effective um it has been found to be effective in centrally mediated pain and painful spasms and also been found to be mm-hmm. uh, useful for bladder dysfunction, right? So for multiple scler- sclerosis, it has been shown to be very in- uh, interestingly effective for different things. Now, uh, really, though, its use as a medicinal plant has been has been limited, right? There have really only been... Um, you know, maybe 50 to 100 studies of any kind of really, and, and the, the number of studies that have been done on a very high number of patients so that there is like, you know, a high, higher quality to its study um, is, is, is relatively low still. Yeah. Right. However, it is a, it is a very interesting potential. Um, it's an interesting potential treatment. Well, also because it's just becoming legalized, you would see more, hopefully more, you know, double blind actual studies to to test for these types of things and to see what it would be effective for versus what it's just sort of a placebo effect or ineffective is my hope for something like that. So my, the, the, the favorite fun fact that I have for like marijuana, marijuana myth is, let me find it. Well, there's a couple ones. One is like, how long, it, this is actually more of a good question, is like, weed will stay in your system for 30 days. So if you're being drug tested, you know, you 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 can't smoke it because it'll be staying, it stays in your blood system for 30 days, which I thought was like, I, it dawned on me, I have absolutely no idea how, whether that was true or not. So it's like, I would assume it would have to do with like, you know, in the in the uh, in the little bit of research I did was like a half life and the THC level and sort of what your weight is and how often do you smoke it and sort of what is what is its lasting effect in your body, right? To see when it would actually wear off with like metabolism. Mm. So I think that that's like sort of a pretty a pretty common myth is like can you you know can you take a drug test to to cheat it and get rid of it and over and mask the effects of it with something else, which I don't think you can. There is no such thing as a detox. There's no detox kit that can rid your body Mm. of that overnight. Right. So if you are, if you're out there burning up and then the next day you have a drug test, you know, unless, unless you have somebody else's pee, you're kind of (laughs) SOL. Please don't use someone else's pee. Um, So here's, I'm not saying two. I'm just saying it's an option that people have used in the past. I'm not saying it's legal. Or am I endorsing it? Phenomenal. Wow. So, so responsible, Marie. Um, uh, I am hugely responsible. Now, here's, here's the interesting thing. Just, just ask my 
Just ask my stoner father. <laughs> Good yeah. God. You're probably at home listening right now and saying to yourselves, why, why is it so mm-hmm. difficult to study uh, medical marijuana? Mm-hmm. Right. So I just, I just kind of gave, I'm sure an interesting, um, probably a stat that's pretty, pretty astounding to some people, which is that really the studies on marijuana's uh, medicinal use as both CBD and THC are limited or extremely limited. The reason is that the uh, Food and Drug Administration, mm-hmm. FDA, um, and other government agencies um, basically yeah. still – they basically still yet. have many legal restrictions on its use and its its study. So, for instance, you can't um, – you actually can't grow marijuana even in a research lab for testing purposes, right? You can't – you know, the only way to get it is to get it from the federal government. Um, you have to get mm-hmm. uh, different – uh, you have to def- you have to work within very strict limitations on concentration and um, on length of study and the number of patients and the types of diseases and things like that. So it's extremely difficult to actually do any kind of really good research study on uh, medical marijuana. Now, there is some hope that uh, governments will actually change their policies in, uh, you know, both for research and for legalization. Right. Um, however, it's, it's also partly a big issue of, uh, the, the study of marijuana as effects versus the placebo effect are also very, very difficult, right? So, um, Mm -hmm. this is actually from a really interesting study, medical marijuana research. Um, this is from the, um, this is from the, uh, journal CMAJ, C-M-A-J. Um, so it's the journal of the American, uh, medical uh, so it's the, I'm going to start this section again, Jay, cause I am bumbling like a fucking moron. So one of the challenges really for the study of medical marijuana is that there are significant limitations and significant barriers from government on what you can research, how you can research it, how much, like what concentration you can use for your study and also even how you get the THC or CBD to do your study itself. Right. So you actually have to uh, contact the government to get those, get those samples. You can't grow marijuana on your own for study, um, you know, and, and, and you obviously have to apply for it. Yeah. And so if you are, yeah. if the government's policy is that marijuana is bad for you, but you're trying to do a study that says, well, actually marijuana is, is very helpful in some certain ways, they are, they might not fund you. They might not send you samples. They might not be cooperative, right? And so the right. number of very... Well, the oversight with the FDA is like you're going to go through multiple rounds of oversight yes. for something like yeah. that. So, I mean, it's it's a huge amount of bureaucracy, which is good in some is good in some occasions. But for something like this, which would be almost kind of an emerging emerging technology, it's not. Yeah, And the other thing, too, is that another huge challenge is that because it, there hasn't really been any kind of study on this kind of a drug before, um, especially with, with all the various ways to administer marijuana, it becomes very, very difficult to study is one method more effective than the other. Um, how do you get rid of the placebo effect in specific, in, in particular? So this is actually a really good, uh, this is from a, a paper called medical marijuana research from the Canadian medical association journal. This is published in 2016 by uh, Campbell et al. So this, this, Quote is quote. With marijuana, several placebo effects come into play. 
Marijuana has a distinct smell and taste, which may elicit classical conditioning responses. Placebo science research holds strong evidence for the effect of classical conditioning related to odor and taste. Caffeine-associated stimuli, like the smell and taste of coffee, for example, are shown to increase skin conductance responses and startle eye blink reflexes in the absence of caffeine. In addition, visual cues associated with smoking marijuana, such as cigarettes, smoke, or lighters, may elicit the placebo effect and still remain a factor in even the most well-controlled recent studies. The method of marijuana administration in dose and neutrals can carry powerful placebo effects. Will the marijuana be inhaled, injected, or administered topically or sublingually? Placebo science shows that placebo injections work better than placebo pills, and that four placebos work better than two. The strength of the effect of marijuana may differ greatly depending on the method of administration. Um, So basically, the way you actually study marijuana, the way that you study its administration, and the way that you control those tests to ensure that there is no placebo effect is also really difficult, right? It's, It's very similar to that kind of sketch... It's, it's like an old trope in movies and TV shows and stuff where, you know, you give a group of teenagers non-alcoholic beer and they end up getting drunk somehow still. Right? They just convince themselves <laughs> that they're getting drunk. Um, it's the same kind of thing here, right? And because most of its uses are for things like nausea and anxiety and uh, other kind of issues that are in some ways uh, not to diminish their severity, right? Especially in cases, say, of... Um, of, you know, like loss of appetite due to chemotherapy or something, right? But in mm-hmm. many ways, the mm-hmm. the actual usefulness of marijuana, it's not like, you know, you take this and it's going gonna, it's gonna to shrink your tumor, right? Things that you would expect to not right. have a placebo effect. It's, it's basically directly affecting how you feel at the moment. And that is very uh, variable with placebo effects. Yeah, it could be, it could also be more psychosomatic. Right, 100%. So... Yeah. Interesting. Now, this episode, we kind of wanted to go over the general, you know, the background, the history, kind of where we got to today and why it is so very difficult to actually do these kind of studies on this plant. Right. Because ultimately, I mean, if you think about even, say, the studies on the use of tobacco, right, those actually have a very similar. um, What's the word? A very similar kind of. Not, not even stigma necessarily. These have a very yeah. similar methodological or methodological problem, right? Oh, where, yes. was, yeah, okay, where yeah. it's very difficult to get the sense of, you know, where does the environment start having an effect and where is it actually this thing that people do every day for their entire lives? Not every, you know, you know what I'm saying, right? If someone smokes a mm-hmm. pack a day, um, they can get cancer. But if someone smokes one a day, they might also still get cancer. Right. Do you weight that the same way? Right. On the effectiveness, how do you control for those kind of variables? Um, What about the way that they smoke? Right. Is someone who does chewing tobacco uh, more likely to get cancer than someone who smokes than someone who does hookah and someone who smokes cigars only? Mm -hmm. You know, it's there's all kinds of different questions still again here that even still are not necessarily answered even for tobacco use. Right. So. Well, and also Tobacco and, and nicotine are addictive while marijuana is not. Right. Well, absolutely. So Man, now so. those myths, though, the ideas of is marijuana addictive? Is marijuana a gateway drug? Um, will will is it a can marijuana drug? cure cancer? Can it uh, can it help you overcome? Does it kill brain cells? Does it kill brain cells? Can it help you overcome a mental illness? 
Um, those kind of myths are the things we're really going to dive deep into next episode. And uh, so if you, listener, have a favorite marijuana myth, please shoot mm. the show an email because I'd love to hear them. I, I've heard. I don't know, Marie. Can you think of any weird ones you heard when you were a kid? Um, that George Washington grew it in his backyard. It's I mean, he probably grew hemp. I don't you know. Hey, man, founding father of our uh, of our country, you know, maybe. Maybe it was just for, you know, broke person. Maybe it was uh, for, for recreational use. I mean, I would not be. S- Never know. But that's, that's one of the, but that's one of the myths, right? That's a huge myth. I, but I've, but I've I'd actually heard never heard that one. Cycling through. Super oh, interesting. Yeah, George see? Washington grew in his yeah. backyard. I don't know. I will have to, I'll tell you what, I'll call my dad this weekend and see if he's got any good ones for us. <laughs> nice. All right, dear listeners. Well, that's it for this week's episode. Thank you again so much for listening. We are a damn it chippy production. Got a lot of really exciting news on that front coming up here too soon. Yes. We also are going to do some patron shout outs this episode. So we have a couple of new patrons here. We have Molly Smith. Molly we have, Smith giving us money. We love it for we you. We have Molly Townsend. <laughs> Molly's. Yeah. Multiple Mollies. Two Mollies, Marie. Double Molly. Can We're double Molly and down. It's amazing. Bam. We also nice. have it's more Mollies than I'm last telling week. You, we also have Rosie Deloach and uh, Rosie Deloach. I hope I'm getting that right. And Edwin Hernandez Gunn. You guys are awesome and we love you. So awesome. Um, it's it's super so great. Awesome, I'm man. so excited. Thank you so much. You're all in the running for the scary painting. Um, oh. It's going to be great. <laughs> Yes, we have to. When are we? When are we getting that thing out of our we house? We are going to do it you know, next week, Marie. Na- okay, because the neighborhood birds are falling out of their trees dead, and it's springtime, and that's really a sad thing to be happening. Hundred percent. So actually, uh, just around the actually, garage. Rosie, who uh, supports us here now on Patreon, is actually one of the hosts of the Rabbit Hole Motel, which uh, we we highly suggest you go check that out. It's going to be a really good show. And uh, it is a good show. It's not It's not going to be a good show. It is a good yes. show currently. So go check it out. Um, I, I really enjoy it so far. So take a listen. Yes. All right, folks. And uh, and that's it, Marie, for this week. Beautiful. You guys have a lovely week. Remember, just say no. Just say no to the devil's lettuce. <laughs> Satan's cabbage. All right. De- Satan's cabbage. Good night. Thank you again, dear listeners, for listening to the Mad Scientist podcast. I have been your host, Chris Cogswell, joined by my co-host, Marie Mayhew. If you'd like to contact the show, please send us an email at themadscientistpodcast at gmail.com. That's all one word. You can also follow us on Twitter at madscientistpod or at teamgiantsquid for Marie. And of course, you can see us on Facebook, on Instagram, and all over the internet as the Mad Scientist Podcast. And again, our logo is the one with the pumpkin head, so it's easy to see. Mm-hmm. If you've enjoyed the show tonight, please consider supporting us on Patreon, where the money that you give to us will help us to promote this show further, to make it better, and just to spend more time making it. Yes, we love doing that. We do love doing that. Our logo was designed by Carrie Shaheen. Our web design is done by Desdemona Howard. Woo-hoo. And our sound design is done by Jake Cardinal. Thanks again for listening. <laughs> Thank you. This has been a damn it chippy production. You know, a lot can happen in seven minutes, and luckily, that's how long it takes me to tell a story. 
My name is Aaron Califato, and I'm the creator of 7-Minute Stories. I'm proud to partner with Evergreen Podcasts, and I'd like to invite you to join me on this journey. I'm going to take you on some crazy roller coaster rides using my unique extemporaneous storytelling style, and together, we're going to try to make sense of the world, all through the art of storytelling, and all in approximately seven minutes.